of here clapping because I said half hour. Y'all be good. That's where we'll be. I want to talk to you tonight from the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 14, verse number 21. We turn in the place, see all of you here in the house of the Lord tonight. I believe this is a place where good things always happen. Miracles can happen. This place. Signs of the Lord's power in this place. People can get the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. Somebody can leave this service tonight saying, Take me to the water. Amen. Amen. Gospel of Luke, chapter number 14, verse 21. So that servant came and showed his Lord these things. And then the master of the house will make Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring hither the poor and the maimed and the hall And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded. And yet, there's mercy. And that's what I want to preach to you. And yet, there is. Why don't you put your Bible down with your hands and let's begin to pray together, Lord Jesus. Thank you so much for this opportunity to come to your house again. Thank you so much for this opportunity to feel your presence, to hear the songs of Zion, to be amongst people of like Christmas faith. I pray your morning on my mind, my lips, Lord, let me be comfortable in the Word behind this desk tonight to deliver the Word of God. Let it be received with joy and change our hearts and change our lives. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray and everybody said amen. God bless you as you see it tonight. The 10th day of April 1912 almost 100 years ago the RMS Titanic slipped three of her moors in Southampton, England beginning her mating voyage to New York City. The world-class ocean liner carried some of the wealthiest and well-known people in all of the world as well as hundreds of immigrants from Great Britain and Ireland Scandinavia and elsewhere throughout Europe who were seeking a new life in the United States. Uh, this ship has been well documented. You know, there's been dozens of movies made about it, and there's been books and all, all kinds of documentaries that have been written and, and, and devised about the Titanic. But this this ship was designed with the first class accommodations that were the pinnacle. Of comfort and luxury. It was one of the first boats in the world to have a gymnasium, a swimming pool, libraries, high class restaurants, and opulent cabins. It was also one of the first vessels to ever float in the ocean to use a, a new uh, high powered radio telegraph transmitter, uh, which was, was sort of like the Western Union of the Sea. Uh, and allowed them to send what was called Marconigrams. It, it, it gave uh, passengers of the boat the opportunity by airways to send messages from the ship to people that were waiting to receive them in New York. This, this truly was a, a modern marvel and certainly a wonder of the world in the year 1912. The Titanic at 882 feet and 9 inches long and 92 feet, 6 inches wide, and its widest berth was the largest ship afloat at the time. She entered into service, of course, that's dwarfed now by our aircraft carriers and other cruising vessels. But at this time, it was the largest craft on God's earth floating in the oceans. And not only was it the largest, it also had some of the most advanced safety features that had ever been placed in a ship, including watertight compartments and remotely activated watertight doors. And as a matter of fact,
on April 14th, however, four days into the crossing and about 375 nautical miles south of Newfoundland, she hit an iceberg. The collision caused the hull place to buckle inwards on her starboard side and opened five of her 16 watertight compartments to the sea. You see, she was designed to be able to survive with only four of those watertight compartments having been flooded. And because five of the 16 were flooded, the ship was doomed to an icy grave at the bottom of the North Atlantic. While all this was happening, passengers and some crew members were evacuated to lifeboats, many of which were launched only partially loaded. 2.20 a.m., just after three hours of striking the iceberg, she broke apart and foundered, sinking to the icy bottom of the ocean and carrying over 1,500 souls into eternity. The disaster we know as the sinking of the Titanic has been played over and over again in Hollywood, and we've seen the History Channel documentaries about it, maybe you've read books. I know we've got a coffee table book about the Titanic in our house. But it, at that time, was met with worldwide shock and outrage at the humongous loss of life. Simply, how could so many people perish like this? See, the Titanic was large enough and was capable of carrying 64 lifeboats. Each of those lifeboats had a capacity of 65 souls. 64 lifeboats would have been well over enough to have housed the maximum capacity of 3,547 people that could have been on the ship. But 64 lifeboats weren't used. As a matter of fact, the chief designer, Alexander Carlisle, when he drew up the plans for the Titanic, designed it with 48 lifeboats, three on each davit. And even with this lessened number, there would have been over 3,000 seats available for the estimated 2,224 passengers and crew that were aboard that night. However, this number was eventually reduced for cosmetic reasons to make the decks look less in an effort to make this opulent floating palace look less cluttered, they removed 28 life-saving vessels that they deemed unnecessary. The Titanic actually only carried with it on its maiden and final bird voyage 20 lifeboats, two wooden cutters, 14 standard wooden lifeboats, and four collapsible canvas lifeboats. Far too few for the number of people aboard. As a matter of fact, only 33% of the ship's total passengers and crew could fit in these accommodations. The captain of the Carpathia, Arthur Rostrand, the Carpathia being the vessel that, that rescued the survivors that night in 1931, wrote and said, It hardly bears thinking about that if there had been sufficient votes that night, every soul aboard could have been saved. Since it was two and a half hours after she struck that she tilted her massive stern into the heavens and sank by the head, taking with her all that were unprovided for. And while this in and of itself is tragic, what's more tragic to me is that of the 20 lifeboats that were provided, only 18 carried passengers away from their death. The first boat that dropped into the ocean that night of 65 capacity only carried 28 passengers. One boat, boat number one, that was infamously known as the millionaire boat, lowered into the sea away from danger, carrying only 12 millionaire passengers. And they never went back to help anyone else. It's believed by historians that this low number of passengers getting on the boat was due to passengers being reluctant to leave the ship as initially 
They did not consider themselves to be in any imminent danger. In short, nobody told them they were going to die. Nobody told them the ship is going to sink. And if you stay on board, you will perish. And safety and security and a chance to survive the devastating chaos left them with room to spare. Only one lifeboat that night came back. After the boat had sank, the ship had sank, people foundering in the icy, chill waters of the North Atlantic, only a few minutes to survive in those near freezing waters. Half filled boats sailed off into the blackness of night. Was it too deep? One Titanic survivor by the name of Jack Thayer said the partly filled lifeboat standing by a hundred yards away never came back. Why on earth they never came back as a mission? How could any human being fail to heed those cries? Thank you. 1,500 passengers in the boat that night went out into eternity because somebody didn't put enough life-saving vessels at their disposal. And hundreds more who could have been saved went to meet their maker because boats went out on field when there was room to save maybe just one more. When there was an opportunity for partly filled boats to turn around and go pluck somebody out and give them a chance at survival. They turned deaf ears to the cries of those that were perishing. The writer of Proverbs 21 says this, Whoso stoppeth his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, but shall not be heard. I rise here tonight to tell you that I do believe it is the will and the mind of God that every church be filled, that every sanctuary be filled to the overflow, that it's not God's will that any pew be empty, that any altar be dry, that any baptistry go without water. It's not God's will that we sail off in our security while there are souls that can be saved and there's room in the lifeboat. I'm here to tell you today that no matter how filled the church gets, no matter how big our revival is, yet there is room. Amen. There's room for the lost. There's room for the labor. There's room for the dying and those in distress. And we've got to go out and get them in the boat. Nobody sees you. They see me up here. I'm here to tell you. 
we preach. Jesus Amen. Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if they lock us up and shut us down, His Word is forever settled in heaven. It doesn't change. Amen. We still need holiness. We still need walking upright. There is a good way to walk. And we've got to walk in truth. We're falling into more depravity and deviance every single day. Just recently, the $1.9 billion, trillion, I don't even know how, what money is it anymore? It, it's, it's paper. $1.9 trillion? Man alive, I could buy a lot of stuff with that. But in, in this new bill, there was funding for abortion on demand. Just in the last 50 plus days of the Biden administration, our dear leader has turned back laws and executive orders that were written to stop taxpayer funding for funding abortions overseas. We are rapidly descending down a spiral from which our nation will not recover. America as we knew it in the past, I'm sorry to tell you, is not coming back. The only thing that's going to save us is a revival that challenges us and changes our hearts and fills us with the Holy Ghost and fire. Amen. This is the state of being in our nation today and in our world. Jesus told his disciples, the last days will be as the days of Noah were. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Genesis 6 and 5 gives us a, a glimpse into Noah's day. The Bible said, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the faults of the heart was only evil continually. Folks, look around you. Everything is evil. Everything is full of animosity and spite. Everything is full of venom. Everyone's angry with their brother. There's evil running rampant. And this was like it was in the days of Noah. And the Bible said this. They do not until the flood came. They were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the flood came and carried them away. Let me help, let me help you tonight. There's a flood that is coming, and it's coming soon in the world around us. And I'm not talking about China and everywhere else. I'm talking about in your street and in your workplace and in your school. There's a flood coming, and they're not even aware that a flood is coming to take them away. And somebody has got to be there saying, get in the boat, get ready, get prepared, because the Lord is coming. Have all the warning signs. Bible is a testament of God's love for us and His willingness to save all of us. Matter of fact, the prophet Ezekiel spoke a word from the Lord to the nation of Israel. He said, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked. He doesn't have any pleasure that anybody should perish. But he said, no, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. The apostle Peter in 2 Peter 3 and 9 said it this way. It's not his will that any should perish. But that all, somebody say all. It's not his will that 1,000 other passengers would perish in the icy ocean. It's not his will that there are only be 20 lifeboats. It's not his will that lifeboats go unfilled. It's his will that they all should come to repentance. It's his will that every passenger should get off to safety. Jesus said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which is lost. And I'm going to tell you, we were all lost. We were all undone. And if you're lost in the night, he came to seek you, to save you. It's not his will that you die lost. It's not his will that your family be lost. He wants every one of us to enjoy this free gift of salvation. 
Jesus came to save the lost, he has also called us to win the lost. Jesus commanded his disciples to preach. Mark chapter 3, verse 14, he said, the Bible says, and he ordained 12, that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. What should they preach? Mark 16, 15 tells us, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Preach the good news that the kingdom has come. But he didn't stop there. He didn't say, go preach it to the Jews. He didn't go say, he didn't say, preach it to the light-skinned people or to the dark-skinned people. He didn't say, preach it in Africa. He didn't say, preach it in Mexico or preach it only in your street. But he said, preach it to every creature. Don't just preach it to the doctor. Don't just preach it to the lawyer. Don't just preach it to the one that's got goodly apparel. But preach it to the broken. Preach it to the contract. Preach it to the maid. Preach it to the captain. Preach it to the, the, the convict. Preach it to the bound. Preach it to the blind. Preach it to whomsoever will hear the word of God. Preach it to every creature that a Savior has come to redeem you of your sins. Go and preach. And the Gospel of Matthew records Jesus as he tells his disciples, he says, and as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And because the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he says, preach this, repent. This is the message that our world needs right now. It doesn't need a happy-go-lucky, feel-good, praying God will provide every need. It doesn't need a, a name and claim it message. It doesn't need any of that garbage. What it needs is somebody to go and say, hey, the Lord's coming. Get in the boat. Amen.
Somebody give the Lord a shout of praise, y'all. Jesus began his earthly ministry by calling twelve disciples. He did this because his earthly ministry would only last three and a half years and he needed to prepare those who would come after him to continue on the message of the gospel. Jesus came to seek and save. Likewise, because we are his body, we are also called to seek and to save. In the book of Matthew, chapter number 4, verse number 18, the word of the Lord said, Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Notice here that they were familiar with the principles of bringing in a great catch. Those that he called were already familiar with going out and catching something and bringing it in. It's not unusual then that Jesus gives us a parable later in the Gospel of Matthew where he says this. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. So he's called fishers, and he said the kingdom is a net. And we're preaching the gospel of the kingdom. You see, the difference these fishermen would understand, and some of you other fishermen in the building, is there's a difference in fishing with a pole and fishing with a net. With a pole, you can catch one fish. But with a net, you can catch many fish. The kingdom is not a pole. It's not a line. It's not a rod and reel. The kingdom is not selective. The kingdom is not about picking and choosing. No, the kingdom of heaven is a net. And when it's cast in the sea, it gathers up every kind. Amen. It does a, while a fishing pole, when you go fishing, you go fishing to catch a specific fish. What you put on the end of your line is going to determine what you catch. Why? Because a crappie can't swallow what a bass can. And a marlin doesn't eat what bass do. You want to catch a bass, you've got to throw something out a bass wants to eat. You want to catch big game fish, you've got to throw something out that they want to, want to eat. So you can only catch what you catch. But when you cast a net, see, we all too pasty white around here. You know what? I like some dark brown people in church. I like some medium skinned brown people. I like to see every people group represented. I like to see every group of individuals that God made represented in the kingdom. I like to see poor folk and rich folk, well known folk, and people that everybody forgets their name. I like to see folks on the right side and the wrong side of the track. I like to see every body represented the kingdom of heaven to get and we get casted into all of every kind. Amen. Because of every kind. You don't want to go to church with African American, find you somewhere else to go to church. Amen. Somebody that's a homosexual and they're seeking the Holy Ghost, find somewhere else to go to church. Amen. Amen. 
their generation, their kindred, their nation, their offspring, or their stock. He said it catches of every, every culture, every religious background, every sexual orientation. He said if you'll catch them there, draw them in, bring them in, get them in the boat, and I'll save them. Kingdom is for everybody. Look at your neighbor and say the kingdom's for everyone. Kingdom's for everybody. Oh, stop being kids. I say the kingdom's for everybody. Say it like you really believe it. The kingdom is for everybody. God's will is in everyone. 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 Every mother. Every father. Every son. Whether they're African or Chinese or Japanese or Mexican. Whether they speak your language or another language. It's his will that everybody is saved. Amen. So he prepared his disciples to be fishers of men to cast the net and to catch of every kind. That's why, that's why when the Ethiopian eunuch was out in the middle of the wilderness not able to understand the word of God, God sent a preacher, God sent a man of God, and he said, who's he speaking about, himself or somebody else? And he preached Jesus, and that black man, he said, see, there is water, what the heck of me? Come in chapter, and I'm here to tell you. The Bible prepared Jesus prepared the disciples to set on every kind of Jews and Gentiles. It's for who so ever will. It's got to focus. There is room in the net for all kinds. There's room on your pew. For people that you don't agree with in politics. Amen. Amen. There's Amen. room on your pew for people that you don't agree with their lifestyle. Don't you worry Amen. about that. You let them get in the boat. You let them get in the house of God. And you let Jesus get a hold of their heart. And begin to take care of all those things. Just get them in the net. Let me just pause here a moment. 
that trap only occurred, that intake of fishes only occurred after there was a preaching of the gospel. Amen. Oh, thank you for that, that, that golf pleasure. I'm here to tell you here this evening that we're only going to have a revival when everybody gets out of the comfort zone, gets out of the boat, and starts saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. Hey, let me tell you about the gospel of the kingdom. I said, let's, let's all chat into the deep. We've been out here in the shallows preaching. But we've been in the shallows preaching, so I'm going to take you into the deep and get ready for the biggest haul you've ever had in your life. Simon said, little master, we toiled all the night, and we've taken nothing. See, that's where we stopped. We've been Bible studying, and nothing happened. We've been bringing to Sunday school, and nothing happened. He said, I've done it my way, but he said, nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. I'll go fishing again. I'll throw the net again. I'll text them again. I'll call them again. I'll reach out again. That's your word. I'll let out my net. This is what the word of the Lord said. And when this they had done, they enclosed the great multitude of fishes, and their net break, and they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. Let me point something out to you. Even though the net was so full that it broke, the Bible didn't say they lost any fish. Why? Because Amen. in the middle of that harvest, in the middle of that revival, they said to the brethren, hey, get involved. Bring your boat over. We've got more fish. There's room. There's room for more. Bring your boat over. Help us win. These are all. I'm here to tell you the catch is so great. The latter rain is so great. Just because you're not seeing it right now doesn't mean it's not true. The latter rain and the former rain shall rain together. In the last days, said God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. It's the whosoever will, but the catch that's coming needs laborers that'll get in the boat and draw them in. Amen. And say it again to his disciples, the harvest. Truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that has sent forth laborers into his harvest. I'm here to tell you there's room in the boat. There's room in this building. You can sit 140 plus the preacher in this building. Take a look around you. There's room in the boat. There's room in the kingdom. But the harvest needs laborers to get involved, to help bring them in. I want to anybody who's going to catch a burden to go out and cast them in. Ezekiel saw vision of the temple of God. An angel, the Bible said, or a man took a reed in his hand and he began to measure everything in the house. He measured the altars, he measured the door, he measured the windows, he measured the ceilings, he measured the posts, he measured the columns, he measured the doorways in, the doorways out, he measured the stairs, he measured everything in the house. But when it came time to measure around about the house, Ezekiel chapter 42, 15 says this. Now when he had made an end of measuring the inner house, he brought me forth toward the gate whose prospect was toward the east and measured it round about. And he measured the east side with the measuring reed, 500 reeds with the measuring reed round about. And he does so on the north and he does so on the west and he does so uh, on, on the south. He goes over all the building and he measures out 500 Reads, and the Bible says to make a separation between the sanctuary and the profane place. The measuring of the reed here, according to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 40, verse number 5, and in the man's hand, a measuring reed of six cubits long by the cubit and a hand breadth. Therefore, the biblical measurement of a cubit listed here by Ezekiel is roughly 18 inches. And a cubit and a handbreadth 
is about 22 inches. Six of such cubits would make the reed read exactly 11 feet long. Therefore, 500 reeds were 5,500 feet of separation between the temple and the walls that separated the world and the church. Does anybody know how many feet are in a mile? Wait, because I didn't. That was 5,200. More than a mile of space included. More than a mile from the temple to the wall that separated the holy and the unholy. There's a wide space, a wide berth between the profane and the holy. But I want you to know, notice that this space is not outside the wall. It's inside the wall. For I say, Paul said in chapter Romans 12 and 3, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. I'm here to tell you tonight, there's space in the church for people who don't have it all together. There's space, whether they're lodging just inside the wall or they're climbing up the steps of the temple, there's a mile-wide berth. There's room for everybody. There's room for blue hair. Weirdos. There's room for dog pushers. There's room for drug addicts. There's room Amen. for adulterers and murderers. There's room for whomsoever will. Meanwhile, we're so comfortably sitting in our lifeboat. We've been lowered out of a dying ship. We're safe. We're secure. We're going to make it. In the darkness of the night, we look back on that flat ship that's about to go under and make men and women, boys and girls, rich and poor alike. Standing there in the icy cold night wearing their life is, knowing they don't get in the boat. Perhaps Apostle Paul looked through a couple of millennia in the future and saw a time that would come. He wouldn't be feeling slip away in the darkness while others perish because they're safe. They're in the church. They're secure. But he reminded the church of Corinth such were some of you. Such were some of you. Such were some of us. While our ship was a sinking and the floodwaters were rising, and we had no hope. A preacher got down on his knees and said, as the prophet of old, is there not a word from the Lord? And God gave them a word, and they got in their boat, and they were that one that came back to the ship that was sinking. It said, get in. Such were some of us, but we are lost. We are sanctified. We are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. We can't be so secure in our lifeboat that we refuse to go back and seek and save those that are drowning. Amen. Because there's a lot of room left. There's enough room to save them. Thank you. 
face and I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my soul. If you weren't here Wednesday night for the Bible study on that name, get the tape. He's my strength and he's my soul. He also shall become my salvation. Therefore rejoice shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Listen, and in that day shall you say, Praise the Lord. Call upon his name and declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he hath done excellent things. This is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. I want to point something out here. This is a prophetic word to what would become in the day of Jesus in the second temple, the water libation ceremony. During the Feast of Tabernacles for seven days, after the end of the sacrifice, they would pour out the water from the pole of Siloam upon this altar. And it was signifying the outpouring of the Holy Ghost that one day had been promised and His Spirit would be poured out. And the prophet is prophesying here to rejoice, cry out and shout, for great is the Holy One of Israel that was in the midst of thee. And John, that great beloved disciple of Jesus, he wrote down for our remembrance, and he said in 737, in the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and he cried, saying, if any man thirst, that water had been poured out. They were signifying that one day that this Holy One of Israel would come. But the Lord God Almighty in flesh said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. And whosoever will, he said, let him come and take of the water of life freely. Jesus said, it's for whomsoever. It's for anybody. This is for everybody that will. Acts 2, 39. For the promises of you and your children and all that are for all. Even as the name of the Lord, our God shall call. No seat to be empty. No pew appeal. No altogether in dust. And no baptistry sitting dry. Because there's room in the kingdom for every soul that we I'm closing.
this store. The master's house will never be full. In my father's house, there are many mansions. You didn't see how many he says there's many. John said, I saw an innumerable number. I couldn't begin to number how many souls I saw. And yet, there's still room. If you don't know the Lord, I'm talking to you. There's room for you in the kingdom. Get in the church. Repent, get baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. If you feel like you've gone too far, I'm here to tell you there's still room for you. If you're backslidden and wayward, there's still room. Get in the boat. Get in the boat before it's too late. But if you're in the church, I ask you when's the last time you want a soul? When's the last time you gave a Bible study? How much time's it been since we prayed somebody due to the Holy Ghost? When was the last person to get baptized? The boat is not full. The kingdom is not full. The master's house still has seats available. There's room. So pray for a burden to fall upon our hearts. I open the office tonight to whomsoever will. Promises unto you and to your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Can we build these altars? Find a place to pray. If you need the Lord, seek Him while He can be found. To all God give us a burden for souls to never be satisfied with fifty on a Sunday night. To never be satisfied with a half-filled auditorium. But Lord, to go out and reach into the house is full. Oh, Jesus.